All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We roll through Monday afternoon. I'm the sports leader at TSN 1260. Jason Greger, Jason Strato, Connor Halley. The Greger Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca, where all of the proceeds stay right here in the lovely province of Alberta. We've got lots of texts coming in at uh, 10, 12, 60. Dials up at uh, 4, 12, 60. Right on, Strauds has spent a lifetime in sport as an athlete, coach, parent, and administrator. Now an avid order fans since day one of the organization. Uh, blaming the refs is never the way to go. Hey, Strauds, tell that to Bobby Clark. He broke Arlamov's ankle in order to beat the Russians in 72 and is a Canadian icon. And keep the fair and square team. I want my team to do anything it takes to win. Quite frankly, instead of faking the Tomahawk chop and Petrangelo, I wish Leon would have returned the favor from uh, Furballs. Uh, different time now. Um, and I don't know he, how that would have really helped, right? And, so if he and, retaliates, and, yeah, what happens? And, and Bobby Clark, he, like we're talking about something that happened 50 years ago. The game is officiated uh, completely different nowadays. And you do anything even behind the the play, it's very difficult not to get caught on camera. You have to be like the ultimate cheap shot artist to get away with something nowadays. That's uh, anything of significance, anyway. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, let's get to uh, Tell Me I'm Wrong, uh, Gregor Edition, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling Home. The no payments, no interest for one year on your AC unit. Stay cool all summer. LegacyHeating.ca. The Jason Gregor Show presents Tell Me I'm Wrong. The pain of losing in the playoffs. It is, it's brutal. You saw it last night, uh, Leon Drysaddle uh, choking back tears. Uh, obviously was disappointed in the outcome of the series, disappointed in his play. Uh, down the stretch the thing about the playoffs that i find fascinating is how from year to year it's almost impossible to predict and and you can go through team by team a injuries are one and you never know which guys are hurt we'll find out tomorrow 
when the players have their media availability. You know, we knew Zach Hyman was banged up. Now, how banged up and who are the other ones? Right, but every team has them. I shouldn't say every team, most teams. Like, it's rare to get through the postseason without it. But the knee-jerk reaction is what the Oilers cannot do. They can't do it. You can't just say, okay, this guy out, this guy out. Let's just give him away because there's no guarantee that who you replace him with is automatically going to be better. Look from year to year and say, okay, Cody Cece last year, Cody Cece this year. How different of a player was he? All right, Ryan Nugent Hopkins this year, Ryan Nugent Hopkins last year. How different of a player was he? Regular season or playoffs? Hey, you don't really know. What will the Oilers goaltending be in the playoffs next year? Honestly, I have no idea. People thought Sergei Bobrovsky was done. Finished. What a terrible contract. And now they're halfway to a Stanley Cup final. And look at Bobrovsky. He's 7-2. He's got a 9-18 save percentage. He's played very well. Here is the other starting goaltenders left in the playoffs. Philip Grubauer, 901. Jake Ottinger, 900. Now, Aiden Hill, he's been good. Only played, uh, started three games, got a 934. So we'll see how long it lasts. But because Lauren Brassois was winning, and he had an 894 save percentage. So, like, now Freddie Anderson in Carolina, I'll put him in. He's been pretty good. He's around 930. But the goaltending position has always been volatile. I would argue I think it's even more volatile now because how the game is played. There's more chances. I, I think that there's there's fewer and fewer goalies who are playing significant amount of games in the regular season, thus being the go-to starter. And I look at Edmonton, and it's always easy in hindsight, but we had talked about this beforehand. I said it on Friday. I think Jack Campbell, I would have started him in game six. Doesn't mean they would have won. I want to clarify that. Doesn't guarantee victory. But I'm doing it off of data and numbers of, A, a goaltender who'd been struggling off and on, who had never started 12 games in a row before at the NHL level. So there's a little bit of mental fatigue, physical fatigue. And it happened around the league. So what are you waiting for? And that's why talk of the orders having to make massive changes. Tell me I'm wrong. I don't think they have to. They've got to have a few tweaks, and they've got to learn, and they're going to have to be better defensively as a group. To me, that is the number one thing that they have to do. It's being the one consistent around the team. And look down the stretch. What did they do? They improved their five-on-five goals against. And then in this series against Vegas, it fell by the wayside. You nailed it, buddy. So I, I believe that uh, you're right. They, they don't have to make wholesale changes. I think they have to sit down, Jay, his coaching staff, and then in conjunction with Everett Woody, uh, or sorry, with um, Holland and whoever else, and identify the areas of the game that let them down and then figure out how to improve those. Now, some of it can be systematic. And as I said earlier in the show, the, the, there's zero, there's, to me now, there's zero forgiveness on defensive, poor defensive play. I think you have to come down hard. You have to call it out. You have to show them. And it starts from day one in training camp right through game 82. Because when things get hot and heavy, like we saw with this Vegas series, um, those habits, if they're not 100% dialed in, you get exposed. And I think that's like anything, right? That's that's any any game, any sport of bids. When you're truly put under pressure, that's when you fall apart. Men's league, oh, I can dangle those men's league, guys. There's no problem about it. But put me out there in the NHL, 
old Uncle Strider's not dangling anybody, right? And I'm getting taken wide. It's just a disaster. So that's why you have to have that. You, you, those, I think that is something that they have to challenge the guys from day one and say, we want to be a top, what, Gregs? You need to be top 10 defense goals against five on five, top whatever the number is. That's what we want to be. Call it out. Say, this is what we're going to be. And then you have to look at, you know, do we need to change so the system? I don't know if the system has changed, but we have that attention to detail. And then do we need to adjust our personnel to improve that, to give us a better chance to hit that mark? And so if there's tweaks, you know, there's, there's a lot of good things in place, but do you tweak it? Um, what does it look like? How do you need to do it? What do you need to bring in? Like that's, that's what I think you got to do. Work backwards. Don't say, I don't like this player. Strudwick sucks. Say, what do we need to do to, to, be, to take the next step to kind of keep filling out this championship, you know, look that our team should have or wants to have moving in. And then what do I need? Which players don't fit that anymore and which ones do, or what kind of player do I need to get to, to do it? And I think, cause you're close. There's a lot. It's not a laundry list of players as it is. The team's a playoff team and probably one or two rounds, you know, maybe three when they, if they get the right matchup in the second round, but to move forward past that, you have to, I think there's, there's got to be full buy-in and accountability on D's own play next year. And I think that's something I know I'll be watching and monitoring and talking about every day on this show because we saw in this series, Greg's wasn't good enough. Hey, guys, if the window is now, then they can't wait for Broberg's development. Move him, move CC, and upgrade your top four on the right side. Where did it come out on that, Strutty? On Broberg well, and... I think there's. I think it's. I think it's a conversation that you can have to find out. Okay, where do you think you are in in his development, and is he ready? Can he help them to this team next year in the postseason? That's going to be their 100%. question. Hundred percent, and I think that's a hundred percent fair to say. Then, if you decide he isn't going to be a factor, like let's say they think Kulak's going to be better than him for the next two years. Do you want to move Kulak out? Because I I said, I believe it's at a sticking point. You've got to get Broberg to play. He's got to play. He can't beat the seventh defenseman. So the only guy I see that comes out is Kulak, because I don't think Kulak can move up and be a top four. He's kind of perfectly suited to where he's at. But if Kulak's, like Kulak, I thought was really good in this playoffs. I really, I really liked his game. Um, so do you, and he seems to work pretty well with the big man. So do, do you, do you go out and make that change? And then if you decide that Broberg isn't the guy and you want to tweak CC, now you got to move out two guys. Now, Broberg's a young player. I don't, I don't, with not a big cap, it, I'm pretty sure there'd be some interest in an eighth overall pick from three Oh, three, gosh, there'd be long. years yes. ago. Uh, but CC's a little bit harder, right? He has, now he has two years left. And CC, like, let's, let's be clear. CC's a good NHL player. He's a good defenseman. But he slotted up a little too high in the Oilers. Yeah. In, 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 in their lineup. So, but it's oh, I think if, if Cody CC's your third pair right defenseman, I think you're pretty happy. Right. I, I don't think yeah. I have much interest with that. So I, I do think, you know, there, there would be interest there uh, from other teams because uh, right shot defenseman who can play. And, and the other thing is Cody CC played well last year in the playoffs. Yeah. I thought it was very good last year in the playoffs. So that's, you know, that's, it's not just, a, ah, just get rid of it. Cause it's easy to say that cause you're emotional. And people are upset, and they're mad, and Cody Cece had a tough playoff. But that's where a GM is going to have to be calm and reasoned in how he evaluates this offseason. So, and then the second part is who you're getting, and, and what is that costing you? You know, 
because CC is what is he three and a half million with two years left. So three point two five, yeah. Yeah. So now you you got to bring in someone else that you know. Most top four defenders that are kind of in their prime are not making less than what four, five, Greg, somewhere in there. Yeah. So what? What? what and he's a right shot. You know who? Who is that guy? Who? Who is that player? I don't know that there's a lot in the free agent market. You're probably looking at a trade, similar to what you did with that comb. And, you know, maybe that's the move. Um, but I I think that's an area that you have to look at. You have to, to look and see what it can be, what what, what, what can happen there. Um, and, again, it's not because CeCe's not a good player. It's just this is where they're kind of at. You know, they need to – they need someone that can really eat those minutes up on that side. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a conversation worth having. It's not one where you just, you know, give the player away because if, if Edmonton's going to make moves now, they have to make a move that they feel is going to improve them and make them better. And there's there's not a long list of a free agent right shot defenseman. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Uh, Ken Holland uh, in conjunction maybe with Steve Stales. We will uh, we will see where it goes for the Edmonton orders, but I uh, I am curious. A, they don't have a ton of cap space. We have to remember that. So, like a lot of teams, it's not like Edmonton's the unicorn here that doesn't have cap space. The majority of teams don't have cap space. And I wonder if we see it jump up to even $3 million instead of $1. That's a big difference. Right? That That's a big difference. And you got to remember the Oilers are losing a little bit. Like the Lucci contract drops off. And I can't remember if it's uh, Pouliot or... Um, Sakara Sakara uh, drops off, so that's like two and a half million dollars are getting freed up. Um, so that helps, but probably Bouchard's going to probably you know that's another conversation. I'm guess what is that a long term deal, a short term bridge deal? Um, that and then McLeod, those are kind of the two guys I think they're important. And you got to to prior, prioritize those guys, and you got to figure out what do you want to do with Ryan, Bukestad, Clean Cost, and all these guys. Um, is there a market for Yamamoto? Do you want to move that money out? I, I don't know how much there would be a market for him at $3 million. Maybe. Yeah, they, they get $2.25 uh, million cap space from Sekra and, and Lucic that, that come off the books. Um, you know, But that basically goes to Stuart Skinner because he goes that's from seven fifty to 2.6, right? So it frees it up, but it's it's not like it frees up that whole a whole bunch, to be honest. They don't have any real big tickets. Coming off the books, that's the uh, the other issue, right? Like Evan Bouchard's an RFA, he's getting a big raise. Clem uh, Costin is making league minimum. Ryan McLeod is making seven ninety eight. Devin Shore was making eight fifty. You know, Yan Mark and Ryan were each making one point two five. So they're going to sign some of those guys, but uh, how much is it going to be? So you know, if Shore is out, uh, you know, very good chance on the roster. Well, then Dylan Holloway comes in, and that's. You know, an increase of uh, seventy-five thousand. So it's kind of a wash, but it's a slight increase. So I'll be—I'm uh, interested. They're going to have to make some move, and the, the problem is right now at the draft, they don't—they got a second rounder, and then they go all the way to the fifth. Right? They don't have a first. They don't have a third. They don't have a fourth. To trade Kyler Yamamoto at three point one million, I don't know what the market is for that. To be honest. Smaller player, three point one million. It might be one where you move him at the deadline, to be honest, to free up some cap space, and uh, they hope that he has a decent start of the season. But I don't think they can go into the season thinking Yamamoto's in your top six because he's not a top six player for me. 
I think he's he's a bottom six forward. There's nothing wrong with that, but he's not a top six player, and they cannot get sucked into thinking he's a top six player again next season. We'll come back uh, when we return. Nick Olchek will join us. There's a game seven tonight. I know the last thing you want to watch is hockey. I understand it, but <laughs> it's game seven, and there's always something magical about game seven. 427 on a lovely Monday afternoon. Uh, playoff morning day for uh, Oilers fans. As Man, you're all fired up. Think about uh, before Friday, our last show on Friday. You're like, hey, all right, here we go. Win a game. Could be going around three. And then they lose two straight, and it's over. And, man, just like that, just to rip your heart out, step on it, kick some dirt in your mouth. Ooh, it's brutal. But you'll be back because there's nothing like sports. It's just a, an emotional roller coaster that can be good and bad. And uh, tonight, the uh, emotional roller coaster uh, will continue. And uh, in about, uh, I don't know, five hours, uh, one fan base will be loving it, and the other one will be frustrated. As we talk a little game seven in the playoff report, brought to you by Tenacore. Do you have an upcoming plant shutdown? You're worried about getting a replacement part or a new piece of equipment? You need it rushed? Call the team at Tenacore to source and supply you with what you need, when you need it, where you need it. Go to Tenacore, that's two N's, dot com. Nick Olchek, uh, analyst for the uh, Kraken, joins us. And uh, Nick, the Kraken, hey, they forced themselves a Game 7 again. And uh, they won on the road in Game 7. Uh, this team, doesn't matter what game, they find different guys to show up, uh, this has been a unique series because uh, they've ch- chased Jake Ottinger twice from this one. Mm-hmm. What do you make of this series? How different or similar at all do you see it from the Colorado series? Oh, Jason and Jason, great to be with you guys. Uh, appreciate you having me back. And, and before I delve into that real quick, I did just want to say uh, congratulations on a great year to you guys. I know oil country, uh, it's Stanley Cup or bust uh, as the expectation should be, but just an unbelievable year uh, for you guys as a team. Some individuals, obviously, but some incredible years. So I did, I did just want to reach out and uh, make sure I said congrats on on a heck of a season for you guys. But uh, as far as the Kraken go, uh, it, it's just been a year where uh, they've needed everybody. Uh, the fabric of this team's DNA is someone stepping up, someone new stepping up on a game-to-game basis, and. And you guys know this as well as anybody, is that there are teams in the league that rely upon their first and second line to score, and then the third and fourth line just kind of are there to eat up some time and kill the clock. That has not been the case. And and when your big guys aren't going, who's going to be there to step up? Well, I'd like to say that the Kraken kind of have two second-ish lines or maybe one-and-a-half line, I guess you could say, and then two third lines. Uh, They've needed everybody all year. Uh, and, and they've just implemented new players. Ty Cartier, rookie, comes in. He's got three goals. Yeah. It's the first time he's played in the National Hockey League. Like, to come in and, and have the impact that he has had has been phenomenal. Uh, but as far as similarities to the, to the Colorado series, I mean, look, both teams got that firepower. Obviously, you give the edge to Dallas in terms of goaltending, but uh, you, you brought it up about chasing Jake Andrew a couple times in the series. I, I, I felt that when the Kraken have been successful – on a game-to-game basis in this series is when they've really made an extra effort to have as good of a net front presence as they can. 
Uh, not just taking away the eyes, not just looking for tips and redirects, but ending every play when the whistle goes in the offensive zone, having two or three forwards at the net front every time getting in the grill of Jake Ondra. And I think that that's taken its toll. But with that being said, uh, the one thing you know for sure is that Otter is going to give his best performance tonight. So I think the Kraken are going to have to make sure that they continue that good net front presence and, and don't pass up any opportunities to direct the puck towards the net. Because as you guys know, this time of the year, uh, it's usually the greasy ones that get the job done. I, when I watch the Seattle Kraken team I, I play, I feel like you could take the names and numbers off the off the Kraken, and every line kind of plays the same way. Is that unfair? And because it's not really elevating anyone, but is that a, is that a fair comment about this group being four lines of just rolling out? For sure. And and at one point or another this year, uh, everybody's played with everybody. Like you've had players move up and down the lineup seamlessly. And the key, I think, to how that has been so successful is that they haven't changed the way that they play. Like a guy like Ryan Donato, who doesn't have a goal in the playoffs, but was instrumental this year for them in the regular season. Not the biggest point guy, but a role player that's going to move up and down. Most of the year he was on the fourth line, but there were at times during the season where there were some injuries. He got a couple looks on the second line, the first line. And when he goes up to play with maybe more of the offensive guys like the Jared McCanns or the Jordan Everly's, he still continues to play that grinding game, but has the skill to make plays and to keep up with them. So, I, Jason, I think that's a perfect analogy of, you know, you take away the numbers and the names on the back of the jerseys. This is just a team that comes after you wave after wave, and that wears you down in game one of a series. It's going to wear you down heading into game seven. Uh, but the leadership, too, I think has been a, a huge part of the success that the Kraken have had. Uh, and you just look at their top goal scorers in the playoffs. Jordan Everly leading the way six goals. And the experience that these guys have. He's got 75 games in his career played in the playoffs. And then Jaden Schwartz, five goals, second leading goal scorer. 101 games played in the playoffs, including a Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues. And then your third highest goal scorer, that being Yanni Gore, who leads the team in points. He's got 82 games played and two cups in the playoffs. So to me, it's no secret that the best guys and the most experienced guys have had to be the best players, and they have been. But when you get compliments from other players like Matty Beniers, like Ty Cartier from the back end, Adam Larson, two goals, two assists in the playoffs, like it's been, it's had to be everybody. It has been that case. And if this team wants to win tonight and punch their ticket to the Western Conference Final, uh, the story is going to have to be the exact same. Oh, you mentioned uh, Adam Larson. The guy is you know, is playing 25 minutes a night, and um, uh, there's only uh, Brennan Montour. Like Heiskanen plays almost 28, right? So it's kind of a a unique matchup there. And you know, Heiskanen obviously took the puck in the face early in the series. He's come back. He's played. There's Joe Pavelski. When you look at matchups in this series, Nick, tonight is there a, like what matchup does Seattle want? I know they're on the road, but what's the matchup they will try to get? I think that the, the, they're, they're going to continue to try and go with the matchup of Dunn and Larson, the number one D pair uh, against the top line, Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski. Uh, you bring up Miro Haskinen, who, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, guys, if he plays 31 or 32 minutes tonight, <laughs> uh, just considering what, what, a, what a horse he is on the back end and for as well as he has played uh, with that just it's it's hard to describe his skating ability, and and I think a lot of people think more on the offensive side, but I think but I think defensively is where it really aids him the most. Talk about closing down space, recovering, putting yourself in a good position all the time. He, he has been nothing short of spectacular, and really is the total package. 
but for the Kraken, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the matchup to watch will, will be done in Larson uh, against that top line. And, and the interesting thing, too, about that Dunn and Larson pair is that those guys are out there most nights to shut down the other team's best players, and then they still contribute offensively. Like, they just have this great predictability <laughs> of if Dunner's going to jump into play, Larson's going to stay back and he's going to be more reserved. But don't let it fool you that, you know, Adam Larson can jump into the play as well. And obviously he's got a beautiful goal there the other game, um, and he has been impactful career year in terms of points for him in the regular season. So both of these guys, as good as they are defensively, and when they are out there in the tough matchups, have found a way consistently. That's the key word, consistently come through and provide some offense, some much-needed offense from the back end for this team. And look, if you can force the likes of Hintz and Pavelski and Robertson and Haskinen, if you can force those guys to defend and spend a lot more time in their zone, uh, that's going to tire them out a lot. And they're obviously not going to want to play down there. So uh, that's going to be a big key, I think, coming into this game tonight, the, the Dunn and Larson matchup on the back end uh, against the best players for the Dallas Stars. Uh, Jason Robertson uh, did have three assists in Game 5, but doesn't have a goal in the series. Now, he only has two in the playoffs, but he did have two versus Minnesota. Who has been the key? Has it been Dunn and Larson, or what's been the ability, or how much has it just been Robertson unable to finish? What are you seeing with his lack of goals so far in the series? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, two things come to mind. A little bit of a lack of finish. But I would say, most importantly, it's it's how well and how aware uh, Kraken D and forwards, whether they've had the matchup or not, have been aware of when he's on the ice, knowing that when he gets the puck or when he might get the puck, they're right on him, right away. Stick, you know, on his stick, not allowing him to shoot. But I've been really impressed, and, and I don't mean impressed meaning that this is the first time I'm seeing it because it's been a fabric of this team's DNA all year, but how good the back check has been from the forwards. Uh if they have a chance on the offensive side, they have a chance on the transition and they turn it over or the Dallas Stars gain possession, the forwards just have that thing in their mind. It's like a light switch. It just kicks from offense to defense and they're coming a thousand miles back, back checking and back pressuring. And as a forward, when you're skating into the offensive zone off the rush and you're looking at what's in front of you, that's tough enough, but it's a little bit easier because, okay, I see where my threats are. I see where the D's position. I kind of have an idea of what I want to do. But all of a sudden now, if you got two guys or a guy hurling himself at you over your shoulder and he's breathing down your neck and you're hearing the footsteps, now you all of a sudden you got to be aware of what's behind you and in front of you, and that's probably going to make you make a decision earlier than you want to or make you make a decision that you don't want to make. And I thought throughout the six games in this series so far, the back check has been one of the biggest reasons why the Kraken have been able to kind of subside and suffocate the offensive game, at least the scoring game for Jason Robertson, among a couple of their other players. Uh, it seems like Yanni Gord is all over the ice. You know, he's scoring, he's, he's being his kind of normal, annoying self. You know, has he kind of <laughs> taken the leadership role on with, with, with this team in, 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 in many ways? Yeah, he has. Uh, there's really been, I think, three guys that really stood out to me and, and named them a little bit earlier. Jordan Everly, uh, Jaden Schwartz, and, and Yanni Gord. But, but, but don't get it twisted. You know, this team, as, as Yanni Gord goes, so do the Seattle Kraken. Uh, he's, a, he's a gnat out on the ice. He's in your face. 
Uh, he's, he's really, he is, for the game that he plays, he's worth, worth the price of admission. Because if Yanni doesn't score here in Seattle, he's going to get the crowd off their feet because he finishes every play in the offensive zone at the net. And there's going to be some pushing, there's going to be some jawing, there's going to be some shoving. Uh, and he's going to make his presence felt. I think that's his biggest skill. Uh, I call him the French Canadian Army knife. That, that's kind of the, the the term that I've tried to call him here in Seattle. But like he just, if he's not scoring, he's hitting guys. He's being physical. He's getting involved, and he's been unbelievable on the bench. Uh, on the bench, you talk about being a communicator on the bench, letting guys know when there's a hit coming, when there's a play to be made, talking to everybody on the bench, keeping the mood up. Like this guy is a pro's pro. He is the guy that you want to play for, the type of guy that you want to play with. You want him on your team. You hate playing against him. Uh, so goals, offense, and he's leading the team in points, 12 points in the playoffs so far, um, and doing everything else as well. I, an absolute menace on the forecheck. Like, guys, we could sit here for 50 minutes, and, and maybe I'm gushing a little bit, but this guy just there's a reason why he's got two cups, and there's a reason why he's been as impactful as he has been all year. Uh, he, he really is, for me, the heartbeat of this team. Uh, because whether they're playing great, whether they're not playing so good, he has been Mr. Consistency all year long and has really had his handprints and his fingerprints all over this playoff run for the Kraken so far. Awesome, man. Appreciate your time. Have a great day. Jason, Jason, thank you guys, and uh, keep up the great work. There you go. That's uh, Nick Olchek joining us, uh, voice of the Kraken Game 7 tonight. Um, we'll take a quick break. I want to get back. Uh, interesting uh, text to get to and more on the Gregor Show. You can text us 10 email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, jgregor at tsn1260.ca. We continue on him at Sports Leader TSN 1260. I'm going to get to this quick text. Hey, guys, what do you see when you look at Vegas, Seattle, Carolina, the Panthers, and Dallas? Depth on four lines, solid decor, good goalie. No big point producers. Too many big contracts for Edmonton and Toronto that can disappear and then no one there to chip in when they go cold. That is a reality. If a top guy goes cold, teams struggle to make it up if no depth. The best teams have both high-end skill and depth. Tampa, Chicago, and their heyday. Oilers and Toronto are lacking depth and goaltending. Um, well, as far as too many big contracts, um, so Edmonton's top three make 30.25 mil. Florida's are 29.5. Vegas is 28.3. Dallas is 27.8. Then if you want to go to top five contracts, the highest is Florida at 43.5, Edmonton 41.75, Dallas 41.35, and Vegas 40 mil. Not really much difference. So I don't, I don't really buy the contract thing. Leon Dreisaitl is a bargain at, uh, at that. Um, Edmonton's third line was excellent in the playoffs. How can anybody complain about McLeod and Fogel? I don't think you can. All right, Derek Ryan, that line was fine. Nick Bukestad scored three goals during the postseason. I, I don't think you know, the coach didn't play him lots. So we can have you can have the discussion about why the coach didn't play Bukestad and Costin more. That's fair. But when they played, I think they were fine. Look at their production. Look at their at their points uh, per minute. The orders gave up too much. That's what happened. Right? Is Florida's defense score honestly better? Do you think Dallas's defense score is better? I don't believe it is. Now they've got Bobrovsky who, for the last few years, even even his own franchise weren't sure if he was a starter. They signed a young knight to a big-ticket deal. So I, I, like call, I look at Colorado and, and Tampa Bay. Look how many big contracts they had, and look how many big point producers they had. Sure, they had some depth guys, too. But I, I don't think that Edmonton's 
drastically lacking that much. I think there's a few tweaks. I think collectively as a team, they still need to be a little bit more consistently defensively. I think that's a that's a factor for them, for sure. They have to be better consistently defensively. That's and that's going to have to be a buy-in from the entire group. There's no question about it. Let's get to uh, five questions now. Brought to you by the Brick and uh, the Brick's tent sale. You can score huge savings with their amazing tent sale specials. $1,900 off on sofas, sectionals, and mattresses starting at only $169.95 right now at the Brick. It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger Show. All right, guys, question number one. The yes or no, was this season a failure for the Edmonton Oilers? No, it wasn't. Do you want me to go on from there? No, I, no. Listen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think you can call it a failure. I think you can call it a disappointment, right? Uh, but I understand, like, Leon Dreisel says it feels like a failure. And that's okay. There, it's fair to say it was a failure because you didn't reach your goal. But to me, I'll say this. It's a failure if they don't learn from what cost them the series. I don't think it's a failure today. It's only a failure if you don't take that and learn from it. I like it. I was just going to see if you guys would go on the Giannis Antetokounmpo route and lecture here. <laughs> Question number two. So if you were Ken Holland, and you know, let's assume he's sticking around as GM for the team, uh, what's the top priority now that the season's over? Oh, good question. I believe the the top priority is they've got to figure out the right side, and I think that's forward and defense. Yeah, I like that. I, I can't. I don't think I can even go any further than that. But I, I, I think let's sit down with Jay and talk about the weak parts of their game, or sorry, not the weak, the parts they want to improve. And it's it's definitely goals against five of like defending hard, um, and that goes forwards and D alike. Question at number three. I think we should give some credit to the Vegas Golden Knights as well. Uh, with the teams remaining and who they could potentially meet in the next round or the Stanley Cup final if they were to win, are they a legit cup contender for you? Well, they're down to the final four, so I think you got to give them a good chance at it. Uh, I would probably have them as a favor in the next series. And then to take on you know, the winner of the East, uh, I'd, I'd feel they got a, they got a good chance. So, yes, I feel they are a legit cup contender. Well, I, I think if you're at if you're at this point of the season, um, hey, anybody's got a anybody's got a shot. And, and Vegas, like, is, is Dallas or Seattle clearly a better team at this juncture? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. Here, here's the thing, though, honestly, I don't know it, whether it's Seattle or Dallas. I don't know who I'd pick in that series. I, I feel more comfortable over Florida, to be honest. I think Florida's beaten two better teams to get to the third round in Boston and Toronto than the Islanders in New Jersey. I just I think I think Carolina so far is at the easiest run, and that's why I'm going to pick Florida. But uh, you know Vegas, Dallas, Seattle, like man, if, if Seattle gets through, they beat Dallas and Colorado for goodness sakes, and they've won both game sevens on the road. Um, like something tells me it's going to be Dallas that that wins tonight, but that's just that's just a hunch. We'll uh, we'll see where it goes. But yeah, Vegas is for sure a cup contender. There's no, there's no question about it. Well, that just kind of leads into the next question. Game seven, cracking stars. Who you got? 
Well, I got to go Dallas. I'm not. I'm All not right. confident with it, but I'll go Dallas. Yeah, weird series. I didn't expect this to be where it's at, but I'll go. I'll go Dallas as well. Uh, I think they're. I think they're just just a little bit better. And final question for you guys. On this day in 1981, the Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island aired. It was a TV movie. So since it was on TV, when it comes to athletes making cameos on television shows, what's your favorite? I like when athletes go in sports. I think there's been so many good ones, right? So many. Uh, but I remember, I think the I'll go with the first one I remember is when I would watch Cheers and, and Boston Celtic great um, Kevin McHale made it and that that was the guy so i'm gonna go kevin McHale. cheers with sam malone and company strati there well there's there's a few really good answers to this but you know keith hernandez asking um asking to help you move that early in a bro relationship it's hard to uh it's hard to forget that classic (laughs) scene it was so funny. And, of course, but, like, Peyton Manning on SNL, does that count? Because then I, I might have to go with him. Because when Peyton Manning, <laughs> when he threw the football at those kids, oh, my God, I was dying. <laughs> he, he was so funny. Good. He was very funny. Yeah, so either one of those two. I like it. There are some other ones. Like, it was more so George, though. It wasn't like Jeter and Bernie Williams were that great. But when George was giving them batting tips, that was funny. Right? So it wasn't much so much them. It was George. So George stole the scene. So, you know, there's been obviously a lot of New York guys on Seinfeld over the years. But, you know, Manning on SNL, Strutty, I think he's easily been the greatest athlete ever on SNL. He's really good. He's so funny, man. He, Peyton and Eli are both just... They're just delayed. everything they do. Like just everything they do is so entertaining. And Peyton looks a little cooler. And you know, I I I, I have a hard time for me to get this these words out of my lips. But Eli's a little, looks a little bit more nerdy, right? And yet he's really witty, very witty and funny guy. No wonder he won all those championships. Uh, Harry, this just coming down. The uh, Penguins are looking to interview ten to twelve GM candidates as part of a first wave via Zoom. Mark Bergevin, Eric Tolsky. Jason Carmanos, Peter Shirelli have confirmed as being amongst those 12 forwards who have interviewed so far. So we'll see uh, who gets to the uh, the next stage of the uh, the interview process. I'm, I'm just I can't see how Peter Shirelli gets a GM job again. I just I don't see I, I couldn't see it, but who knows? Maybe uh, maybe I'm wrong on that one. Um, it, you know the the Penguins. I wouldn't be surprised if they went for Tulski. That wouldn't uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, pretty smart young guy. Um, well, Mark Bergeron, I thought actually did a pretty decent job. I, I don't think he'll get it, but um, I know I've heard all the rumblings about they they want um, Kyle Dubas. Uh, Kyle Dubas today. I don't know if you believe him or not, Struds, but he said it's either he stays in Toronto or he takes a year off. Do you believe that? I don't know. I mean, well, you know what. You hear Austin Matthews saying he wants to get a deal done and all that. Like, he, he, at some point, you got to take these guys at their word, right? That this, that actually, what they're saying, what they mean. Um, and then you hear the relationship is it relationship fracture between Dubis and Shannon? I mean, who? I have no idea. But um, how do you? How can you just bring that team back in the exact same position? I, I, I have a hard time. Unless you're going to do it and hoping that, well, not hoping. At some point, the salary cap goes up and you can prove their D, but their D were not good enough. And they, they didn't mesh together well. 
Um, if you watch those games, they were changing partners, players coming in and out, playing more minutes. Like it was just, it's it's really a mess. That that decor. Not that they're on all NHL defensemen. They don't mesh together, and that's scary if you're that group. Four fifty-eight. Gregor Struts, Connor Allen with you. I'm the Sports Leader, TSN twelve sixty. Before we go to uh, break, we're gonna have a little Eagle Rock trivia. Up for grabs. I'm going to get a round of golf at Eagle Rock. You can book your tee times at eaglerockgolf.com. And uh, the orders, of course, uh, disappointment in in how they finished in the in the postseason. Losing out in the uh, second round to Vegas. The, uh, the question I have for you is, if you uh, look just... Evan Bouchard had 17 points through uh, through two rounds, excluding Kale McCarr. Can you tell me which defenseman in uh, the 20s, so 20, 21, 22, or 23, has had the second most points in a playoff year? McCarr had 29 last year. Who had the second most? Text in to 10, 12, 16. Now, let's get to uh, the con man on a sports center update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. All the power you need to get the job done, engineered for adaptability and versatility on the field. Kubota's lineup of agricultural tractors are suitable for all your Canadian farming needs. Go to EdmontonKubota.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 